Hello and welcome to Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today my guest is George McHale, and yeah, this is a great conversation. We talk about all sorts of different things in, in regards to the upcoming uh, financial storm that is just inevitable due to the money printing and bad monetary policy. Uh, we talk about how Bitcoin can affect the church. We talk about um, just what it's like, you know, to look at Bitcoin from a global perspective and a global movement instead of something that's just here in the United States and all the different communities that are springing up around the world uh, with it. But yeah, George is a great guy. I, I met him from a book study that he does on Monday nights going through the book, Thank God for Bitcoin. And every time I leave that conversation, uh, I just get so excited. You know, it's like, man, we can really do something to make a difference in, in the world and, and to see it because it's cool to hear about people from all over the world and all over the country talking about um, what they're doing in their communities with Bitcoin, uh, you know, whether it's like trying to on-ramp churches or successfully on-ramping churches to accept Bitcoin as tithes, or just like having really uh, good conversations and life-changing conversations with people, you know, where they really get it and begin to save and, um, you know, create communities that are reaching out to people about it. So yeah, really appreciative to George uh, for coming on and I hope you enjoy this. All right, we're recording. Good to have you on, George. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. So just curious, uh, you're the second person from Egypt that I've had on the podcast. When when did you move to the US or how old nice. were you? Egyptians, man, we are all over the space. Uh, so I was four years old when my family immigrated uh, from Cairo. So I was born there and we, uh, we moved to Iowa of all places. So. Um, I was in, in Des Moines for, for about six months before we moved to Seattle, which is where I, I largely grew up. Nice. Yeah, my, my family was in Kiev, Ukraine, and moved to the U.S. Uh, permanently when I was five. And we moved to the Midwest. And then, well, we, we actually moved to Portland, then the Midwest, so kind of the opposite. Um, nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of funny. You'll have to connect me with the other Egyptian that you know. Yeah, Ali Hamam up in, uh, he's the owner of Tahini's Restaurants. Oh, nice. Okay. I haven't connected with him yet, but I've, I've heard his story, I've read his story. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to having some shawarma up there. Yeah, I was I was hoping to go up there for the 50K party, but uh, they kind of turned the entire country into a prison. And <laughs> it's like, you have to pay an absurd amount of money to stay in a hotel. But it's getting yeah, ridiculous out there, man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I've been lucky to be in Arizona because everything's been somewhat normal comparatively to the rest of the country. Um, but yeah, man. So when, when's the Thank God for Bitcoin audiobook coming out? I know you've been working <laughs> on that. Yeah, great question. So it's all, the recording is done. Um, it's been done. We're actually just waiting for them to approve it. And apparently this process is a, giant pain in the ass so um we got back like this e email where we had to fix a couple of things so anyways whatever it's supposed to drop like literally any day as soon as they approve it cool yeah I'm, I'm excited about that i i have this issue with books um where i tend to give them away and have trouble to hold on to them <laughs> at, at least with good books like yeah. thank god for bitcoin um and we're also coming out with the, with the hardcover soon oh sweet yeah yeah i if you haven't checked out the, if anybody listening hasn't checked it out, you got to check out that book. It's it's a great um, discussion introduction to Bitcoin, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as like moving to the U.S., I, I think uh, people that are immigrants or have lived abroad have a major um, difference in perspective than people that have lived in the U.S. all their lives. Um, from a financial standpoint, do you think that predisposed you to Bitcoin with all the monetary issues in Egypt that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a natural sort of distrust to authority and to governments. Um, and, you know, that's most most immigrant stories are, you know, you want to come to America for its its freedom and it's and the American dream that, that it's, that's pitched to you. Right. And uh, I think that's why sort of some of the lockdowns and things like that have been so alarming. Some of the, some of the money printing and stuff is it, it like just talking to my mom, even she's like, what, what is this? Like, this, this feels like Egypt again, you know, and that's not, we were trying to get away from, from this type of uh, lack of 
freedom and government control and uh, authoritarianism. And, um, and so, yeah, I think it definitely predispositioned me in such a way where um, inflation, you know, was one of the main reasons that we, we left to begin with was my, my dad and my mom both graduated from university had solid jobs over there, but it was like trying to, their wages trying to keep up with the cost of living because the, the money was inflating all the time or it was, it was just so so volatile that needing some sort of economic stability um, and religious freedom, I would say would, would be the other the other reason. But, um, but those economic realities, I think something that I, I grew up with, um, you know, in a family where we knew how to, we knew that we had to save. We knew we had to save money. So saving was something that was ingrained in me very, at a very young age, and so uh, that naturally made Bitcoin something that that was very appealing. Again, especially in the face of just how much um, the macro environment has changed, how much political uh, influence has has taken over our monetary system. And so, um, yeah, I'm very very thankful for that perspective for sure. Yeah, can you kind of outline what it what that looks like as far as like a hyperinflation? I, I think a lot of people really struggle to to piece that together, what that actually is like. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't hyperinflation in, in Egypt. It, it was just a steady inflation that, that became noticeable. Right. So, which I mean, isn't better <laughs> necessarily like hyperinflation is obviously really, really, really bad, but think of it this way. It's like you, you know, you grow up your whole life thinking, okay, I want to get in this profession and it's going to get me a job that makes X amount of dollars, which is a living wage. And I'm going to be able to have so-and-so house and, and live at this level of comfort and this level of lifestyle, you know, and you sort of, you plot out your life that way and you, and you kind of, you go through those, those steps and you execute, you do it well. Right. And then you get to the end and guess what? It's like, you're, you're making the same amount of money that you thought you were going to make. It's just, you can't afford anything. Everything's become too expensive now. And so um, I think that's what people are experiencing here. We just haven't we haven't, we haven't really, that reality hasn't really set in yet, uh, you know, but we know that like college debt is a thing that um, people are experiencing with maybe without the jobs that they were promised that, that pay the amount that they signed up to make. And even if they are making the amount that they signed up to make, that money's not going as far as it used to or that they thought it would, right? So um, what's happening right now, I think is a, is a really um, good comparison to you know what my parents experienced um almost you know 30 years ago when when we left yeah yeah i think that's a great explanation i definitely think that's what we're seeing right now i mean there's a lot of uh frustration and anger uh at things like inequality there's a giant popular demand for different services to be paid by the government and there's a huge popular opinion that we need a $15 minimum wage. And I think those are all symptoms of what you're describing in regards to experiencing inflation and it kind of pulling the rug under your feet. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, one of the things that we really share is an urgency around Bitcoin. Um, how, how does Bitcoin protect people from that or allow them to escape that rat race? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think it's one of those things that you almost can't explain. You almost, you almost have to like experience it for yourself because the more you get into it and you start seeing what's happening with uh, the fiat system, the more you realize how badly we need something like Bitcoin. But then you start to actually like inhabit a Bitcoin mentality and you start, you start hodling, you start learning more about it, you start going down the rabbit hole it changes you as a person, right? It changes your habits. It changes your perspective. You start living in a different paradigm, right? And so, um, and I think at the, at the simplest level, it's you start saving, right? Once you start realizing the value of something that isn't going to inflate away and you start stacking, right? It becomes a little bit addicting in a good way, in a way that we used to, again, we used to just call it saving. You know, you would make money, you'd pay your bills, and then you put the rest away for a rainy day. Well, we can't do that anymore with fiat because, you know, it's just not going to be as valuable uh, in the future as, as it is today. So your savings is being eroded, right? It's, it's, it's losing value. And so with Bitcoin, you can not only save money, but your savings actually uh, appreciates. And so, um, again, it, it's, it's really hard to just explain it to someone. I feel like it is something that you have to kind of, you got to go on the journey. 
yourself at some level. Um, but when I do try to explain it to people, that's kind of where I start is like, just think about it like saving. It's saving the best money that you could possibly save. Yeah, that's a very different perspective than what I think a lot of people have when they look at Bitcoin initially as, you know, people tend to, um, VJ uh, tweeted, he, he said, what are the biggest misconceptions about Bitcoin? And uh, um, a lot of the responses were one, that you had to buy a whole coin. And then two, that it's like the stock market, but riskier. And it's like this entire <laughs> asset class. Um and it's like, I, I thought that was really fun. I think it's really funny when I talk to people like that and they, they come in and they say crypto, you know, because there's oh. been this, there's been this uh, huge push by um, people that are not in the space or bad actors in the space that it's the revolution is blockchain and not Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Uh for normal people and it's really unfortunate um because we're seeing we're just seeing so many hit pieces like uh you know that uh, like climate activists are, are now attacking bitcoin which i think is hilarious because um bitcoin is a way to monetize green energy like and make it profitable instead of operating at loss so um yeah the, the obsession with with trying to take it down like the, the fud that happens every time we we are um, trending upwards is, is fascinating to me and that, that's another thing that just should make people suspicious you know it's like why, why are people random actors so hell-bent on making bitcoin look bad and um spewing this this nonsense that if any thoughtful person just takes a little bit of time to investigate you can clearly debunk like this is this is old regurgitated fud garbage from from years ago right and the fact that it's even getting any airtime to me is like, it shows like desperation and, and it shows that, you know, you can't stop Bitcoin. You can definitely try and people will. And some FUD is more uh, effective than others in sort of shaking out weak hands and, and suppressing the price for a temporary period. But Bitcoin perseveres and it's like, it just shakes that stuff off and it just keeps marching forward because it's it's the best money we've ever had. And it's, it's the most scarce thing that that has ever been created or invented or discovered or however you want to look at it and so i just think this this run this bull run is is, is no different than um what it sounds like i mean I'm, I'm class of 2017 so this is my first full full cycle but uh it sounds like you know it's 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 more of the same yeah i'm from the class of 2018 so i i think i owe a big thank you to the fudsters for suppressing the price for me <laughs> to stack a little bit longer True. That's a good perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I think Bitcoin has won. I think it's like mm -hmm. pretty safe to say at this point that um, it might not be like as obvious, but I mean, when you're seeing S&P 500 companies buying it and saying that cash is trash, um, that, that's a pretty big uh, change, you know? <laughs> yeah. So the big question for me right now is like what the transition will look like and you know, at what point there's, there's people who say that, you know, it's going to coexist with the dollar and inflation is just going to keep going. And I think we talked about this at our Monday night group that like you, one day a big Mac will be like $150 and as people just get used to it. People just adjust. And uh, I hope that's not true. <laughs> I'm a reasonable person. Like I'm willing to entertain all potential theories. And that's certainly one that seems to have credibility even among, among uh, people who consider themselves Bitcoiners. But um, I'm just I'm I'm here for the for the the big picture that where where Bitcoin just dominates and it becomes the the new the new everything the new standard for 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 money for payments for store of value for all of it. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that really attracted me to it. I don't think I would have ever um, had the energy to start a podcast or you know get out to the meetups if it was just like an investment tool for me. Um, Totally. It's so, yeah. It's 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 so much more than that uh, because you know, in a, in a large extent, it's freedom. And I think like seeing things like WikiLeaks and the way that they were able to survive, um, or you know, the Silk Road. I, I'm not a fan of drugs. I don't personally use them. Um, I've worked in drug rehabilitation centers, but you know, to see that like it has that power to, to facilitate transactions like that. You know, there's. A large portion of the world that's under um, totalitarian rule mm -hmm. and 
you know, for what that offers um, individuals in that country, whether, you know, one of the things he talked about was uh, freedom of religion um, and leaving Egypt for that regard. I mean, that's the case in so many countries right now Mm -hmm. where, you know, you'll, it, it it allows people to like really have some sovereignty outside of the system um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man, what a time. I mean, who knows where this goes, but like, yeah, we haven't even really touched on the, the freedom aspects and, and what, what it does in, in a community sense and how Bitcoin's changing the world beyond just, you know, a bunch of us getting rich or, or whatever, which is, which is fun, but it, it really is just scratching the surface. And it's, um, it's not even like, I mean, I don't, I don't like the whole, like, I'm here for the tech thing. That's not, that's not my story. But like the way that I've, that I've stumbled into Bitcoin was more from a trying to, trying to solve a problem from a, like a community standpoint of, of, of how do we, how do we get away from um, just the overreach of government? And, and, you know, uh, I, my background is in, um, I was in the church for a while, I was in full-time ministry. And so you, you get to color outside the lines a little bit in ministry because you have all these tax exemptions and things like that. And so you start asking these questions about like what 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 we're even doing with tax dollars, right? And um, and so going down further and further down, down that road and wanting to pursue something that that facilitated freedom in such a a, a real way um, is kind of how I got into into Bitcoin. And then you know number go up is is why you kind of continue to be intrigued by it and continue to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. I- that idea of freedom, I think, is important to touch on it and and to um, define, uh, because we you know we've seen all sorts of crazy things happen uh, this year as far as like when there was the storming of the Capitol, you had a bunch of politicians standing around saying we need to protect the Constitution, you know, and these are people that really don't care a whole lot for the Constitution; they care about maintaining as or control gaining as much power as they can to dictate over other people um what what do you mean when you say freedom in that context yeah good question so i think okay as i look around right now the world is pretty miserable by most accounts you know i think i'm someone who is um i don't like putting myself like boxing myself self into like anti-lockdown or like anti-mask because i'm actually not like that i'm not like if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, bro. Like wear two, I don't care. Um, if you want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. Like if, if you want to stay home because you're scared that there's a, you know, there's something out there that, that you're going to get, you, sh- you should stay home, right? And so like, to me, that's freedom. Because like, I don't want to do any of those things. I, I Personally, I don't care. Like if I get sick, I get sick. Like, uh, and, and, and again, this is, this has come from a, we're, we're a year, over a year into, into this now. And at the beginning, this wasn't what I was saying. At the beginning, I was saying wear a mask before the CDC was saying wear a mask, right? So I'm not like just like shooting from the hip here, just, just being irresponsible. I'm just like, I, I like to think for myself and be free and be like, evaluate the evidence and make a decision for myself and for my family. And uh, and and danger and safety, like being the top thing as <laughs> from, from that perspective of wanting to protect my, myself and my family. And so I'm a, a, I'm a logical person, right? And so, but when, it, when people tell me, hey, you have to do something, you have to wear a mask or you have to get a vaccine in order to fly. That's when I like, you know, you, you, you've kind of, you struck a nerve and, and you've kind of awoken a, a beast at some level. And I think a lot of people are starting to experience that where it's just like, yo, don't tell me what, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> That's not, that, and like talking to my mom and my sisters and, and um, just kind of comparing that to where we came from. Like that's, there is a reaction against this where it's just like, this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't the American dream. This isn't what the constitution says. None of us signed up for this, right? And so, um, so to get back to your question, like I think, I think Bitcoin at a fundamental level, it, it's the whole Marty Bent, you know, fix the money, fix the world. It, we, we have to start with the root of the problem. We can't just, we can't just have these, that's why I don't like this anti-mask, pro-mask debate because it's just so surface level like anything else. It's just like, we're not gonna solve anything with this. Uh, the, one of my favorite, um, this, this hat that I'm wearing, this, the, the, the tweet that's pinned to my, my, my Twitter feed, when we cross out conservative, progressive, 
uh, libertarian and we just say Bitcoin, they're like, this is the reality I want to inhabit. We're not solving anything. The whole red versus blue political BS, like we're just not solving anything. We're talking in circles. It's the same shit. It's just like, it doesn't work. And I think uh, freedom from that is what I'm talking about. Freedom from the old paradigm that is fundamentally broken that we all, I think deep down know is broken, but some of us are willing to admit it. Some of us are willing to be like, hey, the emperor has no clothes. And, um, and so I think Bitcoin is freedom from all of that garbage. It's an opportunity for humanity to build a, a fresh foundation. And, you know, like it or not, the number one way we interact with each other, um, if we don't know each other, is we transact, right? We, uh, a lot of our relationships are, are um, uh, like, like we relate on a monetary basis more than we probably want to admit because it feels dirty or whatever, because our money is broken. And a lot of times our transactions are, are, are dirty, right? Because we're, it's like a zero sum game. But if we, if we can fix that, if we can just get back to the basics where transactions between one another are pure and I'm providing value for you. And so you want to give me something of value in return. And I don't have to doubt your motives or anything like that. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect in any sense. Like people are still going to get ripped off and all that kind of stuff. But at least, at least at a fundamental level, what we're transacting with, we know, and we can trust and we can audit the supply and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, so freedom from the tyranny that the government has the power over us to tell us what to do because they control the money and they enforce their control of the money with, through violence and through threats and through lockdowns ultimately. Yeah. What, what comes to mind when you're saying that is, um, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm uh, fearful of uh, for people in my community is financial censorship. Um, because that that is the ultimate way to really silence somebody uh kicking somebody off of like social media is a you know a good way to to limit their voice but you can survive it and still participate in society um but when you get locked out of the banking system it, it's game over and it's not too far of a jump uh with what we see today you know mm -hmm. and so people say that bitcoin facilitates crimes and and that's uh one of the ones that I hear a lot, but you know, the fiat money system facilitates way more. I mean, if you look at like um, the amount that the banks have been fined, you know, and that's just for the ones that have gotten caught over the past 10 years, it's, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, and it, it's just crazy. Now, you know, we have a legal system that's built on uh, due process. So people are um, not guilty until, you know, proven guilt guilty. And, you know, so I, I think there's like, there's this like idea that we have to like stop all the bad things before they happen through tyrannical um, control over things. And, uh, you know, eventually what that leads to is minority groups are targeted. You know, if you have a dissenting voice, um, you know, you're silenced and, and all the power that we give over to them is, is used against, you know, these different individuals. And it's pretty... It's pretty wild, but yeah, that you made me think on that one for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of what you mean about like partially what you might mean about like peer to peer transactions that are pure. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, sure. what? Yeah, what? Yeah, what I ways? Should, I need I, sorry, I just I, I'll just add to that real quick. I shouldn't need anyone's permission or authority to send money to my aunt in Egypt, right? And it's such a pain in the ass to try to send money there <laughs> or anywhere outside of the country or anywhere within the country right like why do i gotta what's a what is a wire cutoff time what what even is that right like it's the, the system is just so antiquated that's the other thing is just like yo we don't have to do any of that stuff anymore like we've we have better ways now you know so yeah i'm pretty frustrated right now uh with my bank because it's taken so far eight days for a cashier's check to clear <laughs> what yeah <laughs> it's just like, like ancient ancient technology yeah i mean that, that could have been done in almost instantaneously you know with right. the lightning network or you know 10 minutes with bitcoin mm -hmm. um so yeah what, what's that process like uh to send money to your family in egypt uh you mean with the legacy system or with bitcoin uh with bitcoin 
So with Bitcoin, so I mean, my my family, um, I mean, I have aunts, uncles, cousins, um, and you know, but the only person I really try to 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 send money to is my aunt, who's older and you know, so home or whatever. And she's not very technical, so I'm not like sending it directly to her. But um, I have a friend there who I just send send money to, to him, and um, we use we use stable coins uh, a lot of times. So we'll transact in SDC, and uh, and then he'll he'll get it to to her. He'll he'll go you know cash it out for for local local currency and, uh, and and bring it to her. And so like that's infinitely more efficient than me trying to use my American bank and sending it to my aunt's uh, Egyptian bank and waiting all the, the all the uh, for the, all the approvals and um, the rigmarole of, of just like them questioning everything. And then um, and then really like like her, the one of the big things is just practical is she's, you know, she doesn't have to leave her house. Like she, someone can just come and bring it to her, um, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, just an advantage of just p- the peer-to-peer aspect of it, where you don't have to go into some brick-and-mortar thing to access your own your own money. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty huge. Is, is mobile banking not super built out in Egypt right now? No, I mean, I think I think it 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 is not to the extent it, it is here. Like people, you can have like they have like similar like Venmo type services and things like that, but. Um, they're still very reliant on a brick and mortar system as a, as like the core infrastructure of their banking system for sure. And there's lines out the door and it's like, um, I mean, it's not good. It's like, it's, it's, it's the antiquated system that we have here. It's just for like even further behind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, when, when did you shift from, uh, sending, uh, you know, stable coins over there, um, or, switch to sending stable coins over there from like traditional wire transfers um actually probably just within the last like 18 months or so um i made a contact uh over there uh who's now a friend of mine a business partner and uh, actually we we've been using um uh paxful quite a bit which i don't know if it's a peer-to-peer exchange so in egypt um it's super interesting asics are illegal Okay, so that's like how they've tried to kind of ban Bitcoin, and uh, which is hilarious because it's like it's actually a pretty sophisticated way to do it, right? Is be like, no, you just can't mine, because they, they know that there's no enforcement on like any any other uh, way to do it, and so um, but you can you can legally buy and sell it, right? You just can't mine it. There's no regulations around uh, around buying and selling it, but there's also no regulated exchanges, and so but there is a market there. There's a market everywhere. And so, um, so services like like Paxful, which facilitate peer-to-peer transactions, have sprung up. And um, so, me and my, my business partner over there, we help create, uh, we, we help facilitate some of these transactions. So, I help provide some liquidity, and um, and we create our, our own little market, our own little exchange, if you will. And so, um, so getting to know him more, and and kind of getting more and more comfortable with. Um, with the network and, and how stable coins work and things like that. Uh, again, within the last 18 months, it's just like, hey, I should do this when I want to send money to my aunt. And uh, it became a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's huge. And, and that's one of the things that's uh, discounted uh, about Bitcoin is the creation of those peer to peer markets like that and circular economies uh, where, and I think that's probably one of the most powerful aspects of it it's it's so much more than just logging on an exchange putting your kyc in buying and and holding um Mm -hmm. because you know that that can change your life financially i think that's a great tool um but as far as like really just empowering individuals because that i had ragnar uh from guns of bitcoin on uh last week and we were talking about uh cancel proofing yourself you know and that's like the that's like the biggest way to do it is because like even if the government was to make something illegal you're not stopped from uh surviving ultimately yeah no i mean that that, that part is huge like and i think that's why people in other countries like i think nigeria is the number one country right now in in bitcoin adoption and and use because it's more intuitive there right The, the corruption is so blatant um, and, and the government's meddling with the monetary system is so right in your face, right? It's like what I described about Egypt earlier. And so when you see a tool like this, like, of course, you're going to be get curious about it. And of course, you're going to 
want to start um, interacting with it more and more. And so um, it's definitely, you know, a lot of times Bitcoiners in America, um, we do have kind of this 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 singular uh, lens on it, which I think is fine. Like, you know, again, we don't have to deal with it as much as other people do. And so it's like to each their own. But um, but if you do have these other um, circles that you interact with outside of America, uh, you start seeing like this is a global revolution that's taking place, which should excite you regardless, right? And I think it does. I think I think that is one thing Bitcoiners all share is that we understand what's happening here isn't a national thing by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, it wouldn't work if it was. If this was just an American thing, like it wouldn't be nearly as exciting. It would have significantly more attack vectors if it was just centralized to, to America. The fact that it's a global network that's that's uh, picking up adoption in all these pockets all at once, like that's great. That's unprecedented around the entire world. Are you kidding me? So um, it's cool to have a, a little bit of a front seat to to what's happening over there. Like I'm by no means an expert, and I've so much to learn about. Um, you know, the, the reasons for its, its uh, rapid adoption on the ground and what it means to people, like practically speaking, to be able to uh, exchange their, their local currency for USDT or, or whatever else, and then ultimately save it in Bitcoin, which is what's happening, right? So everyone wants to get their hands on these stable coins because uh, for the same reason, everybody wants to get their hands on US dollars around the world. But, um, but at the same time, people are, are realizing that, that Bitcoin is, uh, at a fundamental level, a, a excellent store of value. And so um, you're kind of seeing these parallel tracks happen uh, overseas more so than, than, you're, ha than you're seeing here uh, to take place where here it's, it's, it is mostly like you said about buying, hodling, let, watching your wealth grow. Um, now we're, we're trying to change that too. People, folks like Ragnar, I think get this, uh, myself, Brian uh, Harrington, who uh, I partner with uh, the OC Bitcoin meetup. We do uh, Thursday nights here in Orange County and um, and then Monday nights with this with this book study, and you know, part of what we're trying to do is is onboard merchants to to start accepting Bitcoin, and uh, we have several local merchants. Like every Friday, we have <laughs> we have a chef locally, Chef Rick, who um, who brings meals and accepts Bitcoin. I pay him every week with through my Strike app, and he accepts Bitcoin. And like, you know, that meal that cost me fifteen dollars um, over the last year that I've been ordering from him every Friday. Well, guess what? He looks like a genius for accepting Bitcoin, and he's like, "That's that's how he be, he became a Bitcoiner because he's like, wow, this is this is amazing. Uh, I should have made all of my customers pay in Bitcoin, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and so we're experiencing the the circular economy in, in real life. Like it's, uh, and the, there's a lot of controversy I think in the space around this because people intuitively get like, if you have Bitcoin, you should hold it because it's still being monetized and like you're gonna regret it or whatever, but. I just think that's one part of the narrative, man. I think there's, there is more happening. And, and, and really, thanks to Strike for helping facilitate a way for people to engage in the circular economy without having to spend their Bitcoin. Um, I think we're going to see more and more of like what we're seeing in, in El Salvador with Bitcoin Beach and uh, them literally like creating a Bitcoin community from the ground up. Um, I think that's just going to keep happening. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Bitcoin Beach because, uh, man, I... I... I want to see my city look like that someday. <laughs> like those yeah, guys are yeah. so ahead of the curve. It's going to be really wild to see what happens for them over the next 10 years. Like, I mean, I'm sure some people down there are pretty happy right now that they've been transacting in Bitcoin. Yeah. And as far as the people that are anti spending your Bitcoin, like you spend your, you spend money on things anyways, you know, why, why, why not just like buy it, like spend your Bitcoin, um, and buy it, buy more with what you would have already spent. Like there, there's this like uh, kind of goofy idea about it. Um, that yeah, like the whole like spend and replace thing to me makes a ton of sense. I don't know why why anyone would be against that. Um, and then like I said, strike makes it a no brainer to just like pay an invoice and come come out of your fiat bank account. You're not even dipping into your stash. Um, there's there's a there's a bunch of different ways to to do both, right? And and facilitate. Payments and store value use cases. Um, I I I think that it's a couple things. This is my this is my my class of seventeen take on this, right? Because this is I came in after the fork wars, um, and I think the the BCH fork hurt a lot of people and it upset a lot of people, and it made people like really really dig in their heels around this one point about payments. And I think there's a lot of just like bad taste in people's mouths still. Anytime people bring up 
payments because it reminds them of Roger Ver, it reminds them of BCH, it reminds them of block size debate and all that crap. Um, and I think that's fair. I think that's a reasonable like like trauma at some level. And so people have been, people have kind of just doubled down on on hodl hodl hodl. And again, I'm I'm a hodler. Like I'm I'm, I'm with it. I, I totally understand it. Don't spend money that's that's, that's appreciating to infinity. Um, but I, I just think that again, when you start looking outside of America and you start seeing things like El Salvador and you start seeing the, the, the fact that people, the, the circular economy is happening. You can't just like close your eyes and pretend like it's not, um, there, there is a, and then, and then lightning too, like lightning as a whole is just like, that's the whole reason that we're, we're, we're headed down this road. It's not, it's not just a shiny digital rock, right? Like there's, there's more happening here. And, um, and so. I just think that reality is just going to continue to to take place. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought up the the four core trauma that people are experiencing. And unfortunately, I didn't get to experience that myself. Um, so maybe mm. I definitely, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, it is interesting to look at it from like a global, global perspective because a lot of people don't have the luxury to just hodl. Um, Mm-hmm. you know they need to they need ways to buy food <laughs> and right. their their fiat currencies are failing them um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's de- definitely a major use case for sure and you know the stable coins are great like i mean that's just the default where we're at right now on a global perspective is like when a currency fails they try to get their hands on um dollars or, or whatever is the most uh stable other fiat currency and you know, but what happens when the dollar fails, you know, mm-hmm. or, or has a, a bunch of volatility in a way that um, impacts them too. Um, yeah, one, one other quick thing is, I think it's, it's the fork wars trauma. I think the other thing that happens is um, people are just really protective of, of noobs. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good sort of uh, posture to have, right. And there's so much happening and there's so much like crypto and all this other talk about all this other nonsense. And, you know, it's just really simple to tell someone, look, this is the most important asset ever. You're living in a very, very unique time in human history. Just buy Bitcoin, sit on your hands, don't do anything else. That's actually really sound advice. Like I I, want to make sure not to just kind of skirt over that as we talk about the circular economy because, but I think both are important. I think both conversations are important. It's just, Sometimes the uh, knee jerk is especially like 2017 ICO craze and like this idea of wanting to protect people who are new to the space. Sometimes the default is just keep it simple. You know, don't get into all the other stuff right now. Just live for right now. We're living in a transition phase. This, we don't know what this is yet. It's probably going to go over a million like really, really soon. And then, and then beyond that. Right. And so you, there is this desire to protect people. I think that that's like, I don't want to dismiss sort of hodl, hodl, hodl as if it's like, anything negative at all again like i think it's a it's a positive thing sure i just i think it's i think it's a both and thing more more so yeah no i really appreciate that perspective um and i'm glad you brought that up because you know there's been so many people that have interacted with that have sold their bitcoin because there's been a massive gain um you know and that's just a typical perspective of like when when i tell people that i've been in bitcoin for a while they ask me when i'm planning on selling <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it, that's just the philosophy of it. So as far as like protecting new people to the space, like completely makes sense. And then there's the temptation of the shit coins, um, like like Jimmy's song talks about. Um, have, have you been able to check out Satoshi's Sunday service on Clubhouse yet? No, I, uh, my buddy invited me to that today, but uh, I didn't get a chance. Have you? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible. I it it's only like a matter of of days to weeks until we see some really negative article about it <laughs> really why what it, like what is it it's like yeah, it's just a clubhouse well, room yeah i mean it's a clubhouse room they they i mean it, it's kind of like a it's definitely a parody you know where they invite people in and uh um ask them to confess their altcoin sins oh. um <laughs> yes. they're like do you have a bitcoin question or and then they say hallelujah and like, you know, <laughs> sing songs. And it, it definitely is kind of like a, a parody of the church. But, you know, what these a- outside observers love to do is just drop in and then write 
something that's misrepresentative of of the the good humor that is involved hilarious i love that i'm gonna have to check that out yeah it's a it's it's a must i mean they they, they'll go for like six hours um so i'll i i appreciate it though because it lets me drop in um periodically and be flexible well sounds like the church i grew up in six hours jeez (laughs) yeah well yeah as far as churches so like uh I um have experienced some negative uh uh experiences with the church. You know, I I went to a major church called Willow Creek in Chicago. Um, oh yeah, familiar with it. Yeah, and there was a major scandal, and you know, my stepdad was going to Harvest in Chicago, and there was a major scandal, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, I've I've been a part of like a bunch of different churches um of different yeah. sorts, and I. I personally don't have like a, a, a negative view on the church. Um, I think those experiences are, are um, separate. And it's just, I, I'd sum it up to like, this is what happens when you give people um, too much power and don't have enough accountability um, mm-hmm. is my personal opinion. But how do you, how do you see Bitcoin changing uh, the church? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I think it's important for us to give like a little bit of just backdrop for, for me because what you just said just, you know, resonates. Like I've, I've, I've seen scandals firsthand. I've, I've been there for them. Um, I've, uh, I've been in every, every part of the church. I've been in, in conservative uh, evangelicalism. I've been in progressive uh, mainline churches. And um, I've, I've kind of I've run the gamut of Christianity. And where I'm at now, and I'm very grateful for my Christian upbringing, by the way. I grew up Coptic Orthodox, um, which is the oldest oldest church on the planet. Um, we'll debate that with the Catholic Church, but we claim <laughs> to be the oldest church on the planet. And um, yeah, so I've, I've kind of come to a place where I feel very strongly that the institutional church has just failed. It's just not, <laughs> it's not doing anything. It's just kind of like, okay, cool. You guys are like, it, and, and I, think, I think COVID really drove this point home in my head. Like y'all aren't even getting together anymore. That's the one thing you do and you're not even going to do that anymore. Um, and so I don't necessarily, I don't like have an ax to grind. I'm not like mad at the church. I'm, I'm actually still like, I'm still very fond of like the Jesus narrative. I still find it very helpful. I still believe in God. And like, I just, I'm not, I'm a, I just walk a very different faith than sort of what the, what is pres- prescribed by the institutional church. And as an entity, I just, I've stopped believing in it. I don't believe in its effectiveness. I think it's, it's lost its, its influence in the world and it's just gonna to continue to, to diminish its, its, um, its voice and its quote unquote witness. So with that, what will Bitcoin do? I think there are some really great pastors still and there are some communities that don't really play by the institutional church's rules. And those are the outliers, the remnant, right? And they're going to adopt Bitcoin and they're gonna, you know, integrate it into their their worship style and their and their um the way that they preach and they're going to integrate it into their communities and how they talk about the world and how they interact with the world and it's going to change them from the inside out like that's that's what this book really like i think starts to kind of pers- uh, i don't want to say prescribe that's what this book starts to suggest right is like look it's not working what we're doing isn't working um and and what, what are we what are we sitting around waiting for as Christians? Like now, this is just me talking. This is less the book. I don't want to speak on, my, on behalf of my co-authors. Like Christians are sitting around waiting for something that could arguably be happening right before their eyes, and that is a new hope, right? And that's why I do like the the title of the book. Thank God for Bitcoin. Like it's it, what you know. Like what if like this is what we've been waiting for to turn the world upside down, right? And to to have a benevolent future where. Um, where again, you can interact with people at, a, at a, just a pure fundamental level and, and you don't have to, to have like all these suspicions and all this corruption and all this bullshit. And so, um, but it has to change you and it has to change the community in order for it to actually be effectively adopted by the church. And I think there's gonna be a handful, like I said, I don't think it's gonna be a lot of churches. I hope I'm wrong, but, but I guess my, my hope is that it does the work on the church that it did on me. Right. And it did on you and, and a lot of Bitcoiners that I have like Bitcoin has changed my life and I'm, not, I'm no longer like ashamed or like I don't say that like in any like sort of like shy way anymore. It's just facts. Right. 
And my Christian upbringing in a lot of ways led me to Bitcoin in that it, it kind of helped prepare me for some of these like really, really unique aspects of, of especially a Bitcoin's origin story and of, of Satoshi's sacrifice, if you will. Like these are things that are just like hard to ignore, right? And so um, I have a very um, just, I guess, um, simple outlook on it through a, a first principles of Christianity lens, right? Forget about the institutional church, forget about the scandals and the, you know, Sunday auditoriums where it's like a, a rock concert. Like what, what even are we doing it? Um, it's, it, it is just all about loving your neighbor <laughs> as yourself and, um, and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like these things are easy, man. Like these things are, are timeless principles that have been taught even before Christianity, right? Jesus helped popularize them for, for, um, for our like society and the, the time of human history that we inhabit, but like where we're going, something like something like Bitcoin, I think lives into the Christian message better than more, most people want to admit. Most people still want to cling to the old the old way of doing things and the old sort of paradigms, and they can never kind of build on them. You can never improve on them because then you're offending Jesus or whatever. I just don't buy that. I think God is still at work in the world today. And uh, I thank God, I thank God for Bitcoin because I think in, in a lot of ways um, uh, it, it, it is going to help facilitate a benevolent future for humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's really interesting. I, th one thing for sure is that fiat is political um, and it influences people's behavior in a way that's not very uh, conducive to towards... Uh, uh, really like loving their communities and loving their neighbors. Um, you know, for its inflationary policy is just at the end of the day, just sucking wealth out of um, uh, the people that are uh, the most unsophisticated or uneducated on the system or are, you know, the smallest um, people in, in it for sure. Um, yeah. One of the things I was thinking about as far as that, uh, uh, I mean, Bitcoin uh, promotes self-sovereignty and decentralization. Do you, do you think that would affect the church? And, you know, as we move into hyper-Bitcoinization, um, we'll see less megachurch type structures? God, I hope so. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a sustainable model. And it's just, not, it doesn't do any, it doesn't help anybody. You know, it just is literally a popularity contest. And it's just like all about getting bigger and making more money and, fucking whatever like nicer shoes i guess has become a thing in in that subculture and it just it's not good for anybody that's the thing bro like how many mega church pastors have fallen to some scandal or whatever because we prop them up as gods into their own right and no human can withstand that pressure without falling into some sort of you know like ruining their marriage or falling into drugs or like whatever it is that they're doing um and and not only that but like even if they're you know, by most human standards, uh, falling off like the, the path or whatever, we hold them to a higher standard. And so we put all this pressure on them and then we hold them to a higher standard. And it's just like, at some level, it's not, it's not a realistic, it's not a reasonable um, ask of anybody. And so, you know, and I'm not like giving them an excuse at all. Like they, they walk into this and they, they puff up their chests and a lot of them want that glory and that fame and all that kind of stuff. And but it's just like, it never works. And, and I, I, I don't like to kind of use absolutes in that way, but man, point me to a mega church where it's just like that place is thriving and oh my God, it's just incredible. And it's just not there. And it's like, people will argue th this point, by the way, this will be a controversy. People will be like, oh, I go to my church and like, it's really, really big. And like, we love our community and we do our Bible studies on Wednesdays or whatever. I just don't buy that it's transforming people's lives and waking them up to what we're actually up against in this world. I think it keeps people sleeping and it keeps people comfortable and it, and it sedates people to an extent where we're just like, we've lost all prophetic voice, right? The church used to be about, don't be conformed to the ways of this world. And in a time when we need that more than ever, right? The church is like quiet. The church is silent on this. And again, there's exceptions and there's great pastors doing great work. I don't want to diminish them, but I think they would agree with me. <laughs> I have pastor friends who I'm like, I, at some level, like I, I, I cheer them on because they're, they're 
looking at Bitcoin and they're looking at uh, the government right now with suspicion and they're, 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 they're looking at the money printing and they're like, what the hell's going on? Right. So I'm not talking about them. I'm just talking about the institution of the church and sort of what, what it has become at a, at a large level. And so, yeah, I think it will become more decentralized and more free and more about uh, community. And, and dude, my Thursday night Bitcoin meetup that I go to is my church. That's my church. Those are, those are my people. Like Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador is a church. It's a beautiful church. Like that's what I see. And um, some of like Satoshi Sundays on, on Clubhouse at some level, even though they're kind of a parody, right? Like if it's the same people showing up every week and they're like, hey man, how you doing? And, and like, they're getting to know each other and they're like, isn't this great what we're up to in the world? And like, aren't you just so happy to be alive? And like, people are encouraging each other and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's a great church. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I think we got to get over the whole cult of personality thing that just doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. As, as far as like uh, mega churches, I think there are, um, you know, some really awful examples. So like my girlfriend likes to bring up Joel Osteen uh, refusing to let uh, hurricane um, people impacted by the hurricane stay in his church. I, I think there's some good examples of where they're like um, specially equipped. So like Willow Creek, despite, you know, its issues, um, has like a really beautiful prison outreach. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what, what I hear you saying is like, what you really desire is that community aspect of like intimate relationships. And I might be misconstruing that. Maybe, a little I bit. mean, that's, I think that's part of it, but like, okay, beautiful prison outreach. That's, that's good. I guess what I would like to see is churches railing against the prison system. That's the real prison <laughs> outreach. What the hell do we have prison? Like, why are we imprisoning more people than any other country in the, in, in the world? Like, I, to me, that's, it's, it's, it's the, the church participating in the system and sort of giving it a wink, wink and being like, you know, it's pretty bad out there, but we're going to come pray for you while you're in prison. Like, ah, I don't want to sound like a dick. Like, I get it. There's good people. There's good people on the front lines that, that go and they volunteer and they go pray with prisoners, right? And at some level, like, Good for them. God bless you, man. Like you're 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 doing your part in your little corner of the world, and I think that's okay. But what I'm what I'm my problem is with the institutional church that has sort of just papered over the uh, fundamental problems of the world, like the existence of the prison system. And so I just think until we get that prophetic voice and and we 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 call out like the injustices at that level. And again, there are some great pastors doing that, but we're not, we're just, we're not going to be effective in the world and we're not going to have a, 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 um, a voice that, that is going to actually be something that's going to be compelling to people until we're calling out the bullshit. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a really part, interesting part of human psychology. So like, you know, one of the things that um, is a major issue right now is uh, the concentration camps in China um and i might get flagged on youtube for this um but whatever um uh that it's like common knowledge at, at least at this point and yet there's a little political pressure and stuff like that there's this weird thing that that happens with people where they're not really able to see things clearly until they experience it for themselves firsthand um, and, and I think that's part of where that like, uh, um, apathy or ignorance comes from, you know, and, right. and I see that in myself, in my relationship with my girlfriend, you know, because we, you know, there's all these circumstances, like it, it, just like a stupid example. So we were walking, she stubs her toe and I make fun of her about like how I should wrap her up in bubble wrap and, and make her always wear close toed shoes. And then we're walking the next day. And I stubbed my toe really hard and I'm like, oh man, that probably wasn't very sensitive of me to, <laughs> to, to say or do that. And it's, uh, it, it is interesting how that happens. And I think like, as, um, it is important, uh, for us to be really aware of these things that are happening in our community that are really destructive. And it's just one of those unfortunate realities. Um, 
mm-hmm. because I mean, you just like look at it. I, I, I like to think about the story of, of Noah's Ark. You know, the flood came, people were destroyed. He was out there screaming and nobody was willing to listen. Um, right. And uh, dude, and this is, this is what, this is what's so great about Bitcoin. And like, like, cause I actually, to go back to my comment about the prisons, like I actually think, so there are churches and I know of them. And I used to be a part of churches that would actually try to address it at a systemic level and, and go after some of these issues from a political um, uh, perspective. And it doesn't work. It doesn't, like you said, like you could scream until you're blue in the face about what's going on in China and you're going to get censored on YouTube or you're going to get shut down or it's just, what are you going to do? Like what, what, what are, are, what are we going to do about that? And it just gets so overwhelming and so depressing and you feel so defeated that there's all these injustices that at some level, dude, all you can do is go pray with the guy that's in prison. Right? So, so I want to like acknowledge that at a, at a, at a high level, like it's, it is overwhelming, but but guess what? There's good news. And the good news is that there's this thing called Bitcoin that begins to start eroding at some of this bullshit that, that keeps prisons abreast and keeps corrupt governments that are enslaving people and putting people in concentration camps, like keep, that keeps them in power. And it's taking away their, their control and taking away their power. And that's where freedom, to kind of bring it back full circle, that's where the freedom aspect comes in. And that's where a, a truly prophetic church is one that's talking about Bitcoin because it's actually a realistic solution to the world's problems. Whereas some of these other things that we keep trying and spinning our wheels on don't do anything. And so, um, so I'm looking for the church and the pastors that are, that are preaching about Bitcoin because I think it's the new gospel on some level where it's like, yo, this is good news. This is good news for humanity. This is good news for people. And this is gonna set people free right? Isn't that what Jesus talked about? Was, was freedom all the time? Jesus sets you free? Well, now it's just like, okay, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Now what? What am I free from? Well, you're free from uh, hell when you die. Okay, but I'm still alive and I feel like a prisoner, right? I'm like, <laughs> what am I actually free from? And this is, uh, this is gonna, some people are going to struggle with this. I get it. Some Christians are really going to like have a hard time and probably like shoot me an email or whatever. Listen, I'm not, I'm not like <laughs> saying anything uh, negative about about Jesus giving, giving you freedom. But I'm, I'm literally asking the question of how does it free me now? How does it help me today? How does it help the prisoner? How does it help the, um, again, we don't want, we don't want to get censored on, on, on YouTube, but like there's a lot of crap in the world and, uh, Bitcoin begins to set people free in a really, really tangible way on a long enough time horizon. Yeah. Screw YouTube. Um, I mean, it's a platform that's helpful to me, but I mean, this it's, imp- it's important to say the things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, th- I think, you know, I've had so many people come on the podcast and say that they'd be incredibly depressed right now if it wasn't for Bitcoin. And, uh, it, it's not because we're a part of a cult, you know, it's, because you have like, like what you were saying is you have real, ta- a real tangible um, solution to a lot of the issues at stake right now. I mean, right. yeah. yeah. And if that makes us part of a cult, then so be it. Like, I don't even know what that means anymore. Like so many of these, so many of these like descriptors just aren't like so unhelpful. Like really that's your critique. You're a part of a cult. Like I'm telling you, like we have a solution to fix all humanity's like biggest problem. And your response is, oh, you sounds like you're in a cult. Well, you're just not, you're just not listening, man. Like you just don't want to hear, you just don't want to hear truth. It's just not a part of your cult. Um, <laughs> where, where are some good places that people can follow your work? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, at G McHale, M-E-E-K-H-A-I-L. And um, yeah, check out, thank God for Bitcoin. Um, it's a book I'm uh, co-authored with seven other great Bitcoiners and uh, something that's, that's actually um, got some really good momentum. People are pretty excited about it. And it's a book I'm, I'm really proud of. So um, I've read a couple of articles for Bitcoin Magazine as well. So check those out. There you go. Yeah. Well, you have a pretty good uh, audiobook voice. So I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to buying that when it comes out. Thanks, man. <laughs> Hopefully any day now. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation with George. And I really appreciate him coming on. He has a lot of urgency and conviction and i really appreciate that about him um his group that he does uh going through thank god for bitcoin on monday nights is just so helpful um it is 
really phenomenal uh, to just have a solution-oriented conversation, you know, because I think, like, a lot of the conversations happening today, like like he said, are just not that productive. Like, the whole red versus blue paradigm isn't really fixing anything. It's, it's turning people against each other. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of dehumanization and, and just labeling of people, and it's really unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Bitcoin uh, meetups are one of the best ways to really learn about Bitcoin. It's a place that you can go and ask questions and, and just meet like-minded people that are really trying to drive a solution um, to fix a lot of issues. And hopefully you'll walk away feeling refreshed. And I, I always do. I mean, they're so incredible. Um, we, we have them in Tucson. We have them in Phoenix. They're out in Orange County. Um, and they're all over the country. And if you don't have a meetup wherever you are, you can start one. And it's really, really easy to do. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me at TucsonBitcoin at ProtonMail.com. And yeah, do me a favor. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. I know you, know, you hear every content creator say that, but uh, yeah, it goes a long way. And as far as like, you know, the guests that I have on the podcast, like, like George, definitely give them a follow um, because it, it really does help. You know, it helps get the message out of like, you know, a solution-oriented uh, conversation uh, about uh, something that really, like, has the potential to change lives. Because, you know, when you're getting into the red and blue battles, it, it's not about um, solution, it's about power. You know, it's, it's my team gonna gain more control than the other team. And, you know, there might be some solution uh, roped into it, but you're, you're not actually creating anything. You know, it, it's entirely dependent on this this person that you know as we know if politicians are talking they're lying and so it it is kind of just an unfortunate system and um, you know with the way the system is built right now it's really difficult to go up against it and create any real change it's a it's a machine that's just churning so yeah I mean that's why I'm passionate about Bitcoin passionate about uh, Bitcoin meetups and uh, yeah anyways hope you enjoyed this conversation